As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. That is not a Dan Snyder joke. We've reached that point in the calendar uh, where it is Thanksgiving week. Hope everybody has uh, plans, uh, prepares themselves for not just to stuff themselves with food, but also to make sure you wear the appropriate attire so you can let out um so you have enough room in there for, for when you when you uh, gorge on everything that you can um, uh, you know, sit there comfortably afterwards while you're dealing with your relatives or whomever whomever you are with watching football. Terrible slate of games though for Thursday, just terrible, the worst. I'm not the Cowboys are the only interesting team going. Frankly, everybody else is kind of a mess right now. But I'm sure we will be watching because this is what we do on Thursdays on, on Thanksgiving. Um, and on this podcast, what we do is we talk about. The Washington football team. So I'm going to do that today. I'll, I'll update you guys on a couple quick things um, about Taylor Heineke, some injuries. But the, the interview today, uh, I caught up with J.P. Flame, one of the hosts of the Sports Junkies, uh, the morning show on 106.7 The Fan. J.P. has a book out, Still Barking. Uh, friendship, Brotherhood, and 25 Years of the Sports Junkies. Uh, so JP and I talked about, obviously, the Sports Junkies have been, uh, you know, have had an amazing run here in town and have been a force on the radio for years and years. Uh, we talked about that journey, but of course, we also talked about the Washington football team. They get to interview Ron Rivera every week. We talked about those interactions, kind of what we th- where, where we're at with this team right now as we ponder, are they good? Are they playoff bound? Are they not? Um, and a whole bunch more. So a fun conversation there with uh, JP. We'll get to all that in just a few moments here on uh, the Standard Room Only podcast. Um, of course, you know the the other deals. Oh, actually, this is important. The Athletic. I mentioned, obviously, it's always great to, to all of our subscribers. I definitely appreciate the support. If you've been hesitating, I'm telling you, this is the time to do it for a, for Thanksgiving week, the Black Friday deals and all that. The Athletic is offering a one-year subscription for $1 a month. So that's 12 bucks for the entire year, $1 a month. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you to do it this way. You can go to one of my articles. The, the last one is up right now. It's about 
Taylor Heineke, at what point do we stop calling him inexperienced? And and I'll get into I'll get into more about him in a second. Go click on that article. It'll take you to the deal. Sign up. Helps me. Helps you. Uh, I'm actually legitimately going to give them out to a couple people. It's not going to be the main gift for the holidays, but I know some people that I think want to get in, and I'm going to help them do that. So, um, so do that. Uh, the athletic is highly worth it. You get not just me, literally. Everybody else in town, across the country, across the globe, frankly, because we have a lot of English Premier Soccer folks. So it's a really great deal, um, and I encourage everybody to check that out. Um, so in addition to that, of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting, including on the Athletic app. All right, let's get into a couple of things here. Um, first off, just on the injury front, um, so Logan Thomas is looking like he will be back uh, in practice this week. Uh, I confirmed that report. And uh, that doesn't mean he will play this week, but he seemed like he'd been kind of close. So the fact that he'll be back in practice is obviously a good sign. He's been out with a hamstring injury, suffered in week four. He's on IR. Uh, Once he comes to practice, they've got a 21-day window to activate him or he's out for the year. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, last week they played a tight end without Logan Thomas or Ricky Seals-Jones. No update on him. We'll see uh, if we get one uh, after Wednesday's practice with uh, with Ron Rivera. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I reported last night that Tyler Larson, who's the starting center now after Chase Ruye went down, suffered a sprained MCL Uh I don't know the severity of that. My guess is he's going to miss a little bit of time, but I don't know if that's necessarily one game or several, but we'll see how that goes. That would mean they would go to the third string center, which is Wes Schweitzer. It appears based on what happened in the last game, Schweitzer came in for Larson against Carolina. Uh, Keith Ismail is on the roster as well. Uh, He came in for a couple snaps when Schweitzer had to go to the sidelines. So uh, it's amazing how this offensive line keeps losing pieces. In this case, you know, I'm not saying Larson isn't a better center than Schweitzer, but Schweitzer's obviously a pretty been a pretty good player this year. He has some center experience before uh, in previous stops, so that could be how things shape out. Uh, maybe it's one of those cases where you're actually getting your best lineman on the field um, in some capacity. Of course, we don't know what's up with Sam Cosby. He left the last game with a hip injury after suffering after being out for several weeks with an ankle injury. Um, so that's going to be another one of the injury situations that we will have to check. And by the way, speaking of the injury situation, um, it's not an injury, I guess, but Benjamin St. Juice only played on special teams uh, against Carolina. I didn't really catch that at first when I was looking through the snaps. He, but he did play on special teams, so he had been dealing. He had been in the concussion protocol. So if he's playing on special teams, then he was out, but didn't wasn't used to corner. Danny Johnson uh, was the third corner. So, interesting there. We'll, we'll talk to Rivera about that this week uh, as well. Um, for those who are into who are paying attention to the schedule, Week 15, Washington was one of the teams eligible to be moved to Saturday, um, but they are going to be staying Sunday, 1 o'clock game, December 19th at Philadelphia. The NFL just announced that a few minutes ago. Um, so, that is going to uh, keep Washington in line for there, so other than the Seattle game this week, they should have just Sunday games the rest of the way out. Um, and lastly, um, I mentioned my Taylor Heineke article. Uh, the, the the gist of the article is, as I said, I was just, you know Ron Rivera always mentions that Taylor Heineke. Whenever we ask a question about, hey, 
why does Taylor struggle in this area? Or what's the next step for him over here? Ron Rivera, as he did on Monday, always mentions Taylor Heineke's inexperienced. He is only 11 starts into his NFL career. But he's also 28. And at some point, when does when do we remove that inexperience tag? And that's sort of the gist of, of part of the article. But the other part is looking at what's working so far uh, for Taylor Heineke during this two-game winning streak. And one stat that jumped out to me... Uh, was his work in the red zone, and I'll just share this with you, and then hopefully everybody will go click and read through the rest of it. Um, During the four-game losing streak, okay, what what was going on there? Washington would move the ball, but then stall out in the red zone. In that stretch, in those four games, Heineke completed 7 of 16 passes, zero touchdown passes, two interceptions. Of the 33 quarterbacks that qualified for true media uh, stats based on, you know, just starts and, and who's playing. Um, of those 33 quarterbacks, only Jared Goff had a lower QB rating than Heineke's 11.5. Of course, Goff is the starter for the winless Lions. But in those two games since, this is where Heineke has really been shining. He's completed six of seven passes, including three, four touchdowns. Um, he hit Cam Sims for six yards and Terry McLaurin this week against Carolina. In that stretch, his QB rating, 130.5. One, that is best of all quarterbacks with at least two appearances in that span. That was entering the Monday night game when I came up with that stat. Um, Taylor Heineke obviously is is a, an athletic quarterback. He can use his legs. But ultimately, you know, you got to be able to make some of those uh, target throws in there where there's a lot of traffic. And Ron Rivera has said he wants Taylor Heineke to throw the ball, not to aim the ball. We're seeing a guy who's been throwing pinpoint throws, but throwing it, not just... Aiming it by aiming it, you sort of mean you're sort of taking a little bit of the uh, of the of the sting off the pass, um, maybe lofting it a bit too much, and that gives um, the uh, the defense a chance to uh, to catch up. So uh, Taylor Heineke putting in some good work. We've talked plenty. I won't do it here. We've talked plenty about what he is or what he isn't. Um, I do get into a little bit of that with JP, but uh, by and large, um, it, it, it's an interesting time to track Taylor Heineke. Go check out the article on The Athletic. And as I said, it's an easy way to get into The Athletic if you've been he- hesitant. Uh, 12 bucks for one year, $1 a month. That's how that math works out uh, there. Um, all right, so let's do this. Um, let's get into my conversation with JP Flame from the Sports Junkies. Uh, JP is... Um, I don't really know JP. I mean, we've met a couple times when he would, uh, we, when I was working at NBC Sports Washington, and he would be in there um, doing some Wizards uh, analysis. Um, but obviously, I'm aware of the Junkies. I, I grew up. Why well, shouldn't I grew up? I didn't grow up listening to the Junkies. We're relatively the same age. But I remember vividly living at my dad's house at the time. It wasn't really an exciting point in my life. Um, and hearing these guys my age talking about sports, but also just talking about life and the things they were experiencing as 20-somethings or maybe in their early 30s and how that was just such a fascinating um, – to hear to hear friends talk about this. It was like you were you know, eavesdropping on a really fun uh, barroom conversation. And you know, obviously, they've kept it going all these years. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. And an industry that you know, chews up and spits people out um, and, and there's constant turnover. These guys have outlasted everybody. And that's why uh, JP wrote his book, and uh, I wanted to talk about that, but also have a, have a, have a fun chance to talk about. I uh, have a new voice to talk about this team, and we talk. We use the, his career to get into other aspects of the the local sports scene as well. So here we go, my conversation with JP Flame from the Sports Junkies here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast, uh, obviously part of the uh, longtime Sports Junkies radio show on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, too many people for me to count to tell me that's what that's their morning go-to for years and years and years. He's also on Twitter, at GlassJoeJP, and he is the author of a brand new book, Still Barking, Friendship, Brotherhood, and 25 Years of the Sports Junkies. He is JP Flame. Uh, JP, man, I pre- I appreciate you staying on. We're talking right after you guys did a show. You've just done a lot of talking, so I appreciate you willing to talk uh, a little bit more. Yeah, but I'm part of a band, you know? I'm part of a four-man band, so you can pick your spots on the radio show. You're running this thing solo. Much respect to you. I've never actually done that. Oh, I mean, it's just talking, and it's not, it's not, it's not that complicated, but that's why I do like doing guests. I've had some situations where, like, after a game, it's like late night. I'll just do it by myself, and I can ramble. But it's way more fun talking to somebody else, and that's why I mean that, that that's the thing about your guys' show. And we'll talk about we'll, we'll get into the book and and kind of what it, what are the, some of the stories you wanted to tell and kind of what inspired you to to do it. But obviously, it all stems from this show that you guys have had, and I think everybody kind of knows. If you're listening to this and you know who JP is, you kind of know the backstory of four guys from the area who like talking sports and wanted to figure out a way. To, to do it and started with right cable access and kind of went through there and moved up the radio rankings. And you guys have been the dominant force in on radio in this town for, for over two decades. Um, and uh, ultimately it comes down to you guys like doing it. And if you didn't like talking to each other and doing it, I'm sure there are days where you're like, I want to murder that guy. But in general, you guys, you know, th- this is the, this is why it's interesting. If, if you write the, I mean, a podcast in there from the radio, you're making a decision to listen to this and you're doing this in large part probably not because what somebody thinks about Taylor Heineke or what how somebody thinks that the you know the Wizards did with the uh, Russell Westbrook trade it do I want to hang out with these guys for all this time and obviously for over 20 years people have said yes I want to hang out with these guys and that's that that that's the goal I think for anybody who's doing any kind of medium like this yeah there's no doubt about it look I decided to write this book last year because we were hitting our 25th year and when we started this thing in 1995 which is actually 26 years ago with that cable access show It was just four friends wanting to have a little fun. And then at some point we had a light bulb moment. It was like, wait a second. Do I have to be a lawyer? EB was in grad school. Did he want to be a school counselor? I was like, maybe we can do something where we're actually covering something that we like sports and we're doing it with each other. So the books about friendship and brotherhood, because what I always say is, that existed before the sports junkies, as, and it's going to exist after the sports junkies. So that's what Still Barking is all about. But, yeah, we're just talking. You know, uh, I used to see you sometimes at NBC Sports Washington. 
And I used to do Wizards post game. And I remember people would go, I can't believe you're doing the Wizards post game and you got to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I, I'm sure I said What I would that. say is, uh, number one, they're paying me and they're paying me fairly well. And number two, I'm watching a game and then I'm talking about it. That's it. This is easy work. Like my father, he came to this country when he was 17 years old. And eventually he worked as a stonemason in Baltimore. And he used to always give me this speech when I get bad grades. He'd go, John Paul, I used to work 40 hours a week, cutting stone, laying brick, building churches. And then I went to school at night. He went to Hopkins and got master's degrees from Hopkins. And, he's like, and he would say, and I, and I never got a C. Well, I got C's. It's easy to talk sports. Maybe I don't get the most sleep possible, but it's a dream job. I hear you. I, I whenever I get annoyed, like oh my, you know, everybody complains about their job. I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I'm complaining because like, you know, I, I I'm complaining a day after I get to go watch, like I did this weekend, Washington go play a really fun game at Carolina and Ron Rivera and Cam Newton, and this is what people are talking about. And I'm right there talking to the principals, and I'm like, wait, what, what am I? What am I complaining about? Yeah, we get caught up in the day to day stuff, but it is for what it is. It's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good scenario and. Like what? What's so interesting to me about this, about what you guys do in the radio in general, is for any town, there's always ebbs and flows of like you know uh, people complain about who who are the various hosts are or shows or like they talk too much about this team or whatever it may be. But in general, the radio, I think more than anything else, unless there's like a big time columnist in a town, sets the t- the daily or weekly tone for the conversation for what everybody's sort of going to be talking about. You guys are on in the mornings. Uh, you guys have like, for example, we're talking Tuesday morning. You just did your show. And I earlier listened to Ron Rivera. You guys have them on 825 every Tuesday. It's a, I have a note in my, a reminder in my phone. I got to go listen because Ron Rivera is the coach of the team that I cover. And you like his interviews with us, by the way, because they're a little combative. He likes to have a little fun with us. We'll have fun with him. It's kind of been all over the map. There were a couple of weeks when he was really defensive. Yes. And I think people probably told him, like, dude, you know, have a little fun with these guys. And I think that we're developing a little fun, but it's still a little adversarial. What do you make of them? Well, what did he call you guys today? Ricochet rabbits? Because he said you guys were like all over the map because you can cover, but in a good way. Like you're, you can talk the football it team, was but a, the it wizard. It was a compliment. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was somewhat of a, we'll take it as a compliment. I don't think it's a true testimonial or endorsement. But it turns out he's actually listened to our show a little bit. It reminded me of actually 25 years ago, one of our most loyal guests that we've ever had on the show and great relationships that we built on the show is with Charlie Casserly, who was at the time the Washington Redskins general manager. And we had him join us in studio for the first time. And I don't think he had listened to the show. And so when he was driving in, he heard like EB's entertainment page. And he was just taken aback that we weren't talking sports, but our show was called the Sports Junkies. But we got to know him, and he really started kind of buying in. And like I said, he's been one of our greatest kind of friends, allies of the show for years and years. Well, so what's interesting about the Ron Rivera interview, so I would say two things. First of all, uh, you know, Ron Rivera is, is, you know, 
discounting my family or things like that, Ron Rivera is arguably the most important person in my life, right? Because he is the person who is running this whole operation. He's the coach. He's effectively the general manager. He's the one we talk to. There is no, you know, we don't talk to Martin Mayhew. We won't get that perspective. We don't have locker room access. So we do get the players, but in a very sort of stilted way. Ron Rivera is the one person we get. We get him, you know, multiple times a week. And it's important to know what he's thinking and saying. And my, uh, you know, it's it's like if I'm gonna, you know, uh, do the, you know, the uh, the dipstick test in your car to see if I need oil. The, the 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 weekly dipstick test is the Monday Zoom calls that we have with him after a game, uh, because he's now gone back and watched the tape. And we can tell, obviously, if they win or lose, that will have some effect on the mood. But you can kind of tell how annoyed he is or pl- pleased he is with what he saw. And then there's the Tuesday morning interview with you guys, because now he's had a day later to absorb that information. And is he still pissy? Like you mentioned a few weeks ago, him being competitive. It was, I think it was, I lose track of the days, but like it was one of those Mondays. He, I asked him a question and he came back with the guys, 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 guys thing uh, because we were sort of following up on somebody else's. That's something he already didn't like. And then he came back with you guys like the next day and was still that in that mood. And it's interesting to see how he's doing because that's going to how it's probably the week is going to go. So the, it, his interviews with you guys, are very telling. What do you think about today? I thought he seemed a little annoyed. It felt like with with some of the uh, stuff initially about EB kind of dismissing the Carolina game in part because Carolina is not a uh, traditional franchise. I and- think EB admitted afterwards in a commercial break that kind of started his question and he started going down a certain highway and then he just had to finish it. But he basically said, I'm always going to pick against the Panthers because the Panthers are an expansion franchise. And they don't have any hardware like my team, the Washington football team, with three Lombardi trophies. Well, Ron was there for nine years, took him to a Super Bowl. I think that he felt a little defensive about that. Uh, pro- probably uh, probably just uh, j- just a little. But, like, so it is interesting, right, to see his mood. Like, I noted a couple weeks ago, unlike last year, pretty early in the season, he started talking about the playoffs uh, because I guess he saw, as turned out, that the NFC East was a total mess. Even though the Dwayne Haskins thing wasn't working out and obviously it imploded, he saw a path and 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 talked it up. But it was probably easy to do it to a degree. He needed to motivate a young team coming off a three-win season, whatever. None of us bought into it and then they ended up doing it. I know that he had not mentioned the playoffs like at all up until basically a, a smidge after the Tampa game. And now we are having those conversations in part because they're only one game, one game out. I still I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, obviously I have thoughts and feelings and cover them and blah, blah, blah. But like, I hate this middle ground. I like it to know, are they a good team or they stink? The the week to week part of the NFL is frustrating because I don't, it's hard to know if anybody's ever good. This team is no, they're not a good team. Yeah. Are they middling, which might be good enough to get into the playoffs? Perhaps I'm not necessarily buying in just yet. They're a four and six team. There are so many teams ahead of them. Are they the worst team in the NFL? Clearly they're not. They were trending, though, towards a 4-13, and 5-12 and 12 season, Ben, and that would have been a nightmare for you. See, the advantage of doing a show like the Sports Junkies on the fan is I don't have to go to the park every day. I don't have to see him. We can lob bombs from afar, and really we're the voice of the fan. That's all we are. Like, we joke about it. EB mentioned it kind of in his question. He prefaced it by saying, I don't know anything. And that is true. The four of us, we're just regular fans. We happen to have a forum. We happen to have a radio show and microphones in front of us. But we're really no different than anybody else watching it at home. 
we're not in there interviewing these guys every day. Do we have access to some coaches and players? Yes. But in the end, we're just fans. And so our advantage is we can kind of lob the bombs and we don't have to see them every day like you do. No, for sure. And like people like I, I do think like there are people who talk about the media, I'm air quoting that, and they lump everybody in together who does anything that's newspaper, print, online, whatever, or, or radio. And it is very different because like I, our, our situation in a press conference, you know, I always remember they're inviting us into a degree. They don't have to give me a credential. I mean, whatever. So they're inviting us in to talk about their team. They obviously want the promotion in return. Um, and we do all that back and forth, but like, I can't go in there every single day and ask him some version of, are you, you know, a, 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 some question that's going to be annoying or agitating or just to the, you know, take everything to the nth degree. You guys have a little bit of a different deal. And it's why it's interesting to see when you guys, but you still have in. to have some respect then yeah. you know, we tweets all the time, you know, particularly when they were in the midst of a four game losing streak. Can you ask coach Rivera why the defense sucks? You can't just ask a question like that. Hey, coach, can you tell me why you guys suck? You can't do that. No, no, you, uh, you, 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 uh, you definitely can't. So let me ask you this, because you guys, like you said, you're kind of an extension, essentially, of, of, of the fans, and you guys take a lot of calls. Um, I, I can definitely feel like I get my own bubble. I, most people I talk to about this team are the other reporters or other people who are sort of in this world or, or people who are in, on the NFL side. And I'm, other than my friends who tell me, that can't do who grew up rooting for this team like like i'm from here also like you guys are so all that history rings true to me i kind of you know, know all that and how, and how things have fallen um but what is your sense of this of this group obviously everybody's frustrated with the two and six start and we'll see if the if there's a buy-in here but overall like is it just that they don't have a, an answer a definitive answer a quarterback and the ownership situation is a constant disaster like are people like what's your sense of like the buy-in from on any level of this group the the amount of emotional checkout or are there, are there, I guess, are there more people interested than we think, or is really the attendance kind of reflective of the, of the mood of this town? Do you think? All right. You just brought up like five or six topics, but I think there are, <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this is why I'm not a concise radio host at all. If but yeah, you want to talk ahead. about the fan base, this is my sense of the fan base. First of all, they're beaten down years and years of mediocrity or worse. The only time this team has gotten into the playoffs they haven't been on extended runs. They haven't been 13 and three. Right. They sneak in. They sneak in like they did last year at seven and nine. Right. Include the playoff loss. They were a seven and 10 team. But if we want to talk about this season, I do think a lot of people were very optimistic about this year's team. They thought that Chase Young would build upon last year's season where he's rookie of the year. And they thought the defense could be dominant, a top five defense in the league. Quarterback was a question mark when they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, but a lot of people were predicting that year two under Ron Rivera would be a step forward, that they would get back to the playoffs and they would be better. So they start off the season two and six and those beaten down team, beaten down fans, they feel like, oh, this is the same old story. I'm used to it. We're back in mediocreville. We're back to the same old Washington football team. And so I think, that is why you don't have this huge fervor, even after two wins. I saw tweets this week. You guys are going to be talking about Super Bowl. You're going to take all these calls from people predicting all these things. And there really wasn't any of that because fans have been down this road so many times with this Washington football team. They don't have great expectations anymore. 
Yeah, no, no, I think that's one of the things about Chase Young that that's been frustrating. Like the everything could have happened the exact same way, but if Chase Young was building on the thing that he did last year, I think people would feel a lot different. To me, the perception of this defense was going to be with this top five unit. I always thought was overstated from the start. You can't give up 500 yards to Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I don't care what Tom Brady is doing and be considered elite defense. That's just not a thing. And we all know about the backup quarterbacks they faced last year. But the perception was that Chase Young is this electric talent. I'm not saying he's not, but I mean that he's this electric talent who's already one of the elite defenders in this league. And since this team doesn't have a franchise quarterback, you can latch on all your hopes and dreams to this guy who's going to be the star here. And then he comes into this year and, you know, I mean, obviously he's a, you know, a talented player. He's charismatic, but the production's not there. And I think that's one of the, if he was, if he was like, you know, at a, on pace pre-injury to be, to have 12 sacks, I think people would be like, all right, we just have to figure out the quarterback, but the defense, Chase Young, that guy is great. But because he himself took a hit, I think that is, I think that's added to the frustration because what are, what are people, people even latching onto? And look, with the defense, it's improved here the last couple of weeks. So maybe you can actually go for a larger sample size and even say the last five or six games. But it was so disastrous early on, giving up the big plays. You know, as fans, you can be like, well, what's going on with Landon Collins? And we talked to Coach Rivera about it today. They seem to have him in a different spot in the defense, whatever they call it, Buffalo linebacker, whatever the heck it is, the hybrid position. Well, he wasn't in that position at the beginning of the year. William Jackson was their big free agent signing. He looked terrible at the beginning of the year. Do you remember how bad the secondary was? Oh, yeah. So what happens is these fans that have seen this year in and year out and are accustomed to the team missing the playoffs, I think they start tuning out. Now, I always say the great tonic is winning, right? Almost have to go back a decade. But remember how fun that RG3 year was? It was amazing. My daughter, who is, she blames me now. She's 21 years old. She says, Dad, why did you make me a Washington football team fan? I've never seen this team win. I was like, we had that RG3 year. And she was like, yeah, that was fun. But that's been it. I don't think she's seen, really, she can't remember a playoff win. I said, well, the Gibbs years. She was like six. She's 21. Like, think about that. When have we seen a playoff win? I'm not saying get to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying get to the championship game. When have we seen a playoff win? Yeah. I mean, you and I are basically the same age, which means we saw the give Joe Gibbs 1.0 era. And, and 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 so like in my DNA, th- those things still exist. When people talk about the, the history of this team, I go there to Riggins, the Hogs, and, and, and all that stuff. I had Grant Paulson on here a couple weeks ago, and he's like, dude, I've never seen them win more than 10 games in a year, let alone right. you know, his highlights are Santana Moss and Mark Brunel against Dallas, not 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 winning the Super Bowl uh, three times. And that is that is tough. And that is part of this whole thing. And I always think from the perspective, again, for, for you guys, like for us growing up, it was impossible. I mean, yeah, there was always the, 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 the rogue idiot fan who liked Dallas. But like for the most part, everybody in town loved the Washington Redskins. I don't know. Now it feels like it's a lot. It's I mean, different I, now, Ben. Yeah, Look, very I coach different. my son's I coach my son's flag football team. He's 14. And I remember two years ago. We have 10 kids lined up, and I just asked, we're kind of getting to know new players on the team. Who's your favorite team? I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I think one said the Washington football team. Now, some of them didn't even have a favorite team because nowadays people grow up, they play fantasy football, they just like players. But think about what you're talking about in your childhood. There weren't Ravens fans. Now there are Ravens fans 
in Rockville, Maryland. That should be Washington football team country. A hundred percent. You know, I, I wasn't even going to bring this up and we'll get, I'll steer back to, uh, to sort of the conversation about uh, KP's book, still barking friendship, brotherhood in 25 years of the sports junkies. Um, but the, you mentioned the, the Ravens aspect of this, you know, obviously one of the big questions is what about this next stadium? What, what's, where is this stadium going to be? Is it going to be Virginia? Is it going to be Maryland, DC? I think most of us probably from a nostalgia standpoint, wish it would go to the RFK site and there's complications of that because of the federal government or whatever. Obviously it's been in Maryland for all these years, but Virginia feels like they're going to be pretty aggressive in this as well. I wonder though, if they move the team from Maryland into Virginia, I know it doesn't seem like that big of a deal and we're all the DMV and all that. But I think if they do that, I think there's a real chance they lose. I, I don't know what percentage of, of fans break down by the by the state or the you know, city. I bet they lose a chunk of people to say, well, hold on. There is literally another NFL team 20 minutes, 30 minutes up the road in this state. They're, they're not a disaster at all times. They're actually pretty competitive. They've won a Super Bowl fairly recently. Uh, why, why am I not just going over there? And I, I that's one thing I do wonder, where is Virginia? Where are they going? Like there's nowhere else, there's nowhere to go. So I kind of think from that perspective, they need to keep the stadium in Maryland. DC, I think, is the reasonable compromise. I, but what? But you're from that, you know, you're for, you grew up in PG County. I'm a Mar- Montgomery County kid. What do you uh, What do you think of that angle? If they just physically, well, I think move it's a good stadium. point. Look, if you just travel down 95, kind of the way I see it is, if you're heading towards Baltimore, I feel like once you get to Columbia, that's definitely Ravens country, right? Right. I feel like it's been creeping more towards where we are in Montgomery County. And I do think if they moved out to Ashburn or Leesburg or somewhere out like a lot of Maryland fans, you're right. They're going to gravitate more towards the Baltimore Ravens. And probably this has been happening for years, you know, cause we grew up without the Baltimore Ravens, but more and more people in Maryland will gravitate towards that Baltimore Ravens team for sure. Um, no, 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 no doubt. Um, so, all right. So I, I, been, I had done this, uh, I won't say a bit, but like I did this thing earlier on when I started this podcast uh, to get to, especially without having people on that I knew, but maybe the audience didn't for the first time. I would ask sort of uh, questions to get to know them a little bit better. And I thought because we're for you, we're talking about this book that looks back on the 25 years for you guys, your your history. It is a little bit of a walk down memory lane to some degree. I think it kind of connects the the the, the whole thing. And obviously, uh, one, one question I just ask is, who's everybody's favorite athlete? That's an easy one to a degree, but to the point of it helps shape who a person is and, and what they're connected. I don't know if your answer is somebody in this market or not. But my favorite player growing up was Eddie Murray. D- dude, that is my, that is my answer. Eddie Murray with the Baltimore Orioles. I joke about this. It's true. I had three posters growing up in my room, Jim Palmer, Eddie Murray, Cal Ripken Jr. So my dad came here when he was 17 from Italy and eventually kind of gravitated towards Baltimore. That's where he got his degrees. He, uh, you know, he worked in Baltimore, went to Johns Hopkins at night, got a master's degree there. So I grew up liking the Baltimore Colts and the Baltimore Orioles. And that was the one thing, like my dad wasn't a huge sports guy. Look, they didn't play baseball in Italy, but the Baltimore Orioles kind of became our family's team. And my brother and I would watch games with my dad. We would go to games actually with EB's family. So EB and I grew up across the street from each other and he had, I had one brother. He had two younger brothers. We'd kind of get all the boys together, and those would be kind of the highlights in the summer when we would all go to Orioles games in the summer. But Eddie Murray was my guy, man. He was clutch. Like, Cal was great, and 
It's been a great thrill to get to know Cal Ripken through the radio show. It's unbelievable. Sure. That we've gotten to know Cal Ripken. But Eddie Murray was my guy. Like game-winning RBIs, you remember. He was Mr. Clutch. Uh, yeah, I, that is my answer. And at most of the time, I think Cal Ripken is the most popular answer that I've gotten, especially for people who are from here. So I, you're the first other person besides me to go with Eddie Murray. He had a flair for the dramatics, the, 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 the hair sticking out of the helmet, the, 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 the batting stance. When he hit the ball, it was, uh, was, it was much more flair. I used to switch hit. I played high school baseball. I switch it, not successfully from either side of the plate, but Eddie was my guy. My other guy, though, wasn't a local. My all-time favorite player. Everybody loved Michael Jordan. I was a Charles Barkley guy. I loved Charles Barkley, the round mound, the rebound. Disappointed that he couldn't take out Jordan. Maybe you can call me a hater. I always rooted against Michael Jordan. But Charles Barkley is my guy. I just love the way he played. Uh, yeah, you guys, you and I are on the same page. I was always more Barkley than Jordan as well. I mean, even before he became this, you know, this TNT thing, uh, where you're know, this walking quote, uh, uh, everything about Barkley was was uh, was amazing. Um, people get excited, I'm sure, when you when you're when you're when they see they're followed by at Glass uh, Joe JP right uh, on uh, on Twitter. I probably over the years should have switched it. Whenever we started, I can't remember when. I was a little bit late to the Twitter. Game. Like I didn't start until a couple of years after some of the guys, but you know, I fought a professional boxing match. I like to say the show business part, excellent. The in the ring portion, not so good. So that's why I came with a uh, glass Joe JP. So I'm sure people get excited. Like the younger crowd, glass Joe JP or glass Joe. If you played uh, Mike Tyson's punch out, yeah. the first opponent was glass Joe. He was the easiest opponent to beat. So you just had to land a few punches and he fell down. And sadly, that's kind of what happened to me. Right. And by the way, this conversation is exactly why when I first heard you guys, I felt a connection because all your references are, are my references. So th- this is a, th- this is a reminder when I, when I was in, you know, in, in the nineties, when I first heard you guys like, Oh wait, what, what's going on here? What <laughs> they're talking about things that I can relate to. Uh, yeah. Sign me up. Uh, l- l- let me listen to, uh, to, to, to this. So that said, people get jacked. I'm sure when they see you follow them, Who's somebody on Twitter who doesn't follow you that you're like, hey, you should, I wish this person would be following me because I would be equally as excited. All right. Here's where I'm an outlier. I don't think I've ever paid attention to who follows me or who I follow. So I wouldn't even know. Like, am I supposed to have people follow me? Like, I, I might have an out, a contrarian opinion when it comes to social media. Like, some people get upset at what other people are tweeting about. Why do you care? Don't look at it. It's a choice, right? So people have a choice. They can follow my stupid Twitter. Look, here's, I'll be, I, I use Twitter mostly to pimp the product, right? So now I have a book still barking. I'm tweeting out snippets of the show, snippets of the book, old school pictures and things that they would get in stillbarking.com because it's an avenue for me to communicate to the people that are following me. But I'm never going to be upset that somebody should be following me. Are you actually upset that people follow you or don't follow you? I don't even know. I've never blocked one person, by the way. That's something. People control me to death. You know what I'd always say? Thanks for listening. That's my response. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you have the mature response on all across the board on all these things. I, shockingly, uh, don't 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 always do that. I'm trying to well, I follow you. I guess I should find out if I follow you. I, I believe I believe I believe and let me do that. I'll correct the wrong if I am not. Uh, I, be- I believe we're good on on that front. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you're uh, not not uh, n- noticing all my uh, qu- qu- quippy uh, comments. If you're not even sure, but yeah, other than that, we're it good. Says following. 
Yeah, yeah. No, we're good. We're good. I, th- I think I think th- I think the three of you who are on like Lurch is not on. I don't believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think I think we're all we're all good. Um, are you an Instagram guy? Yeah, I have an account, but I don't go like go hardcore. Like honestly, as as uh, JP Finley, whenever I come on, no, it's pretty much you can follow Ben on Instagram to see his pictures of his cat. I gotta really do too much like, over there. But I yeah, you know. I don't have an Instagram account, but for two reasons, I may start one in the next week or two. So I'm honored that. In the book, Mark Roberge, who we became friends with, he's the lead singer of OAR, wrote the foreword to the book, which is awesome, unbelievable. So when I announced the book, he sent me a text and was like, hey, I want to help you promote the book. What's your Instagram handle? And I had to tell him I don't have Instagram. Like, here's a rock star who did a favor for me, writes a forward about the show, which is awesome, and I can't even give him an answer. And then I got a buddy who I told him he does an Instagram live thing every week. And he wanted me to come on to kind of promote the book and do his Instagram live thing. And again, I was like, dude, I'm going to have to show up to your house because I don't have Instagram. So I think I may write the wrong, but I don't really have anything that I'm going to put on Instagram. Well, I mean, it's good. It is a good placeholder for, from that perspective. Uh, so yes, you should do it from that, pers- from that angle. The rest of it, honestly, most of the But do I stick with the at Glass Joe JP? Because I can tell you've already stumbled a couple times at Glass Joe JP, right? I should be JP Flame or JP Junkies, something easy. But now I'm kind of, Cakes talks about this, right? So Cakes has a very obscure Twitter handle. He's at Metal Cakes. It goes back almost 25 years to something that was said on the show. And then Mike O'Mara running with it. Money Metal House became Money Metal Cakes. But his Instagram handle is Cakes Flops. And he says that he's got two separate brands there, right? Do you marry the brand? Should I be just Glass Joe JP? Or should I figure out, and I'll never be able to figure this out, how to change my Twitter handle? I don't know how to do it. Just go with my name. Well, I think the Twitter thing, are you I assume, Are you verified? I assume you are. I am not. You're not. Okay, well, if you're not I've verified. I've never looked into being verified. Okay, well, if you're not, because because if you're verified and you switch the name, they take the verification off. So if you're not okay. verified, you actually could, I think, marry the two. Um, I mean, I know what it is. I, I'm only stumbling because I, I, I don't know how you prepare what you do. I, I don't really have, like, notes here. I mean, I, I, t- I took a couple notes down about your book, but I don't, like, I didn't do the other. I, in my head, I was like, I'll just remember it, but I forget. I'm losing brain cells every minute. Um, it's you know, it's all good. It's kind of wordy at Glass Joe JP. <laughs> now on Sundays with Quint Mayo inside the betting lines, and he stumbles almost every time. And he, by the way, I think he's really talented. Um, but at Glass Joe JP, it doesn't flow. And if you're under 35, you have no idea what it means. It's yeah, a cool video game reference. <laughs> um, I, I, I hear that. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, I want to ask you the opposite of this in a second, if you're willing, but from a guest perspective, best guest you've ever had on the sports junkies. So I'm going to kind of repeat what I said before, and it may just be a thrill. It's Kyle Ripken Jr. And we've had him in studio several times. So here's one of my idols growing up and we get to know him. And he's told stories that I wasn't aware of, like that he basically called pitches one season from shortstop because the catcher and the pitchers were so inexperienced. Can you fathom that? No. Pitches from shortstop. Like, that's legendary. And then, you know, some favorites over the years. 
it, we kind of all four of us kind of bring up the same guys, but there are certain people that just have it right. And we haven't had them on many times, but we had Magic Johnson in the studio, and he just has that presence. Wow, yeah, well, happy. He's smiling all the time, and he's also somebody that we grew up with. So I'm 51 years old, born in 1970. Like I saw all of Magic Johnson's championship. I saw all of those battles. So you know, when you're lucky enough to have somebody like that, it's just awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, Magic Johnson off the top, he, he to me, he is the best bet. He is my number one NBA player of all time. Like, I think he is the best player. I know that's a whole other debate. That's it's a good radio topic, right? Who's the best player not pick Michael Jordan? Um, but uh, I, I, I would mean that sincerely. Uh, so that's a good one. You know what? Guess. I write about this in the book. Here's a little quick plug stillbarking.com, not to give it all away. Um, sometimes you get to know obscure guys, right? And they become awesome guests in terms of content. So I gave you two big names. But early on, it was kind of a seminal moment for us. We did the first ever broadcast from FedEx Field. Right before they had their first home game, we came out. And John Kent Cook came on the show. We had Paul Tagliabue. We actually had a bunch of, like, big-time guests. And then we had a Redskins player at the time call us unsolicited. He was driving on the Beltway listening to us, and his name was Ryan Keel. And Ryan Keel was – you know, marginal player in the league, although he carved out like a 10-year career in the NFL. At the time, he was kind of one of these guys that would be on the roster, be cut, make the roster as a defensive tackle, played at UVA. Walt Whitman High School, right? Right. Local guy, grew up in the area, related to us. We related to him. And he was just one of these guys that was free to talk about everything. You know, for years and years, we did Donkeys of the Week. Well, the reason why we did Donkeys of the Week is – we met up with him at a Super Bowl one time and went to a party. We're all married guys. We're not like going to clubs and clubbing. And we're kind of standing on the wall looking at kind of celebrities. And he goes, you guys are a bunch of donkey dicks. And we took that, brought it to the show, created a segment, which lasted for years and years. But he's just one of those guys that got the show, had fun, plus gave us insight into the NFL, his opinions, and let it roll. So it doesn't always have to be a big name. You know this. Once you get your sources, it doesn't have to be the starting quarterback. It might be somebody that most people don't even know, but if he's giving you good material, it's it's great to run with. Absolutely. I mean, personality is going to be um, a lot, right? I mean, uh, you, you know, you have the best player. I mean, look at some of the quarterbacks around here recently. You know, Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith are better than, better than some guys here, but they don't have Taylor Heineke's personality on any level. At least they don't show it. So, you know, I, I, you, we can debate whether who you'd rather have. We'd rather have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. From a talking perspective, I'll take Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, you know on, on, right. on that level. Um, uh, if you're willing, worst guest, is there, does anybody come to mind? We're like, oh, my God, what a disaster that was. I mean, there are a lot. Look, <laughs> one of the things about doing a morning radio show that has become popular is we have some sponsored segments. So money drives things sometimes, right? So we're fortunate that we've actually built some good relationships over the years. But I I don't want to completely put them on blast, but let me just say there are some guys that are less than personable. I don't know if you remember them. The Washington Capitals, we love Brooks Like. Brooks Like was unbelievable. And we had Brooks Like on for a couple of seasons. We had had Carl Alzer, and he was very good. Now, there was one season where they were like, I don't know how it gets set up. Again, this sometimes is like a sales deal. Right. And they come to you and they're like, okay, 
you're going to have the Washington Capitals player on every week or every other week. And we're like, okay, that's fine. And sometimes we're actually excited about it. It's really good. Like the Capitals have been very good. Sure. Oh, they told us you guys are going to have Chandler Stevenson on the show. And I hate taking a shot at the guy, but let's just say he was charisma challenged <laughs> and it did not last the entire season. Uh, I mean, that's a, but let me say this, not entirely unique. There have been several over the years. Maybe when we were a little more edgy in our early years, we would just hang up on the guys and we'd be rude to them. But when you have a relationship like 106.7 The Fan is the home of the Washington Capitals, you can't really do that. And hopefully you find somebody that you can have a good back and forth with. Right now we have Lars Eller on regularly. And Lars isn't necessarily the most charismatic guy out there, but we've kind of gotten to know him and we have a pretty good vibe, get to know something in the team. And we have Coach LaViolette on who's excellent. You know, it's hit or miss. We've had a lot of coaches over the years. Um, Davey Johnson was one of my favorites. And I actually had, you know, this is one of those moments outside of the show where my, 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 my father passed away in 2007. And I remember we had, we go to spring training almost every year for Nat spring training. And we had a dinner where we sat down next to Davey Johnson. I remember thinking, man, I can't believe, you know, Davey Johnson, obviously with the Orioles yeah, as a player. And it was I wish my dad was here. Like I'm sitting down with Davey Johnson because again, going back to the beginning of the junkies, this wasn't our plan to get into sports broadcasting. I was in law school, kind of fell into this business and it's been an unbelievable ride 25 years on the radio, but I'm sitting there with Davey Johnson, but Davey Johnson was an example where like one week he would be excellent. And the other week it was like, Oh, that's a guy who's like almost 80 years old. still in the league. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, you know I'll, how it is. I mean, you're dealing with Ron Rivera week in and week out. And sometimes he's testy. Sometimes he's defensive. And sometimes he's probably going to give you something. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, people are just people and everybody has their good days, their bad days. And this all is a, 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 a show. It's entertainment. But at the same point, you know, people are who they are. And like, I, I'm not good at putting on an, an act. It, it, generally, I am who I am on this thing. And maybe I need to dial it up more on some levels. But at the same time, um. Yeah. When, when they're all Ron Rivera has a stressful job. I can't imagine what he has to deal with when you're two and six and everything is looking like crap. I wouldn't want to be excited to be talking about it, especially when people are asking me all the the questions that 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 we all um that we all ask them. Um, to go back to the book for a second. So you you kindly let me look at, at a little bit of it, and I really enjoyed the parts I saw. I've always said if I could sort of figure out a way, I would love to be the DC sports media critic. I love DC sports media topics and you've got some really fun ones in there that I'm when, when people have a chance to look at, I'll encourage them to, to, to take a look at, but one thing, and I don't know if this is in the book or not, but um, in terms of this, isn't so much media, but this is about you guys. And it's fairly recently uh, the Wilkinson report. You guys made some news with that. I mean, you guys had this story and put some stuff out there and whatever. What was, obviously we've now gone through this. The NFL didn't even put the report out. And all that kind of stuff. But what was that like being sort of center of attention of the NFL world there for 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 a bit? Because you guys had some information on this topic. I mean, that you guys went from being, as you said before, sort of fans talking about sports to oh crap, <laughs> you're really kind of center I mean, of attention. Every once in a while, something will fall into our laps. Look, the four of us. I'm not into breaking news. None of the junkies are really into breaking news. But every once in a while, you know people, and maybe you get some information. In this case, Jason got some information, and we ran with it. Here's kind of the natural reaction, and this actually is in the book, and I don't want to give away the whole book, but 
we broke news once about Donovan McNabb. Well, the natural reaction of everybody is like, they're the junkies. They're just making it up. Well, here's my response. Why would we make it up? What do we have to gain by making up a story? We don't break many stories once a decade, once every five years. If something falls into our lap, like there's no plus for us making up a story. Does it mean that the story is correct? I don't know. Other people may find holes in the story. But in this case, Jason got something, kind of verified it, and ran with it. A lot of people doubted it. There are denials. You can take whatever you want to say with denials. You know, the, the Donovan McNabb story I'm referring to had to do with wristband. And again, story came to him, and McNabb's people maybe denied it. On TV, I think Kelly Johnson went on TV and denied it. But then some people were like, I think Rich Tambler at the time said, you know what, they're not making it up, because why would we? What do we have to gain, Ben? Tell me what we have to gain if we're going to make up a story. Well, ultimately, right. I mean, if you go, if anybody goes down the the hot take or or they try to turn something into a bigger deal, ultimately it's a it's a slippery slope in that credibility. To me, credibility is a big deal. I try not to come up with any take that I don't actually believe. I mean, I, I, obviously, there's some people in the in the general media landscape absolutely do that all the time to get attention or whatever. I just find that at some point you lose, you, you know, your audience, the smart ones, see through all that. So making up a report. You guys are already on the radio for a lot. What what is it? All you're going to do is damage your potential credibility there. If by saying, "Well, this is complete nonsense," so why would it? it, You know, it'd be one thing if somebody was just starting out and they're desperate to get attention. They hear something and say, "Screw it," and they throw it out there, but like you know, without verifying whatever. But you know, for your perspective, it wouldn't make any sense, right? And actually, I will say this: when it comes to that report, it is pretty unfathomable at this point that we're never going to see it. (laughs) <laughs> right right no that yeah yeah no that that's a whole other opposite aspect of this thing and you know that's the thing when we talk about the washington football team I, after the denver game my my game recap was i'm not going to talk about the game nothing matters only thing that matters is they don't have a quarterback's answer and the ownership situation is a total drag at all times because no matter what happens that's why we've that's talked why before about they can't ever get any uh, there's, there's a ceiling here dan snyder's not calling the plays or whatever but there's a tone set from that perch down, and at some point, everybody who comes in here hits against that, and things go and go south. And we hope for you know. I say this as somebody who covers the team, but also for my friends and family here. I, I, I want Ron Rivera to succeed because everybody is miserable of having to deal with a crap franchise for twenty something years now. Uh, let's have some fun. This is supposed to be fun. It's not fun. <laughs> it's so much better. You know, we would hear that. So many times over the years, you guys love to rip on the home teams. You guys love to rip on the Redskins. Well, they sucked. What do you want us to do? You know what I mean? We're not a mouthpiece for the team. We're not an advertisement for the team. We are giving you the fans' perspective. And when they're consistently missing the playoffs, we're going to keep it real. And sadly, in D.C., the Wizards have been mediocre during our entire career. Right. 25 years, the Wizards have never advanced beyond the second round. The Capitals, up until the championship, were always choking in the playoffs, right? And the Nationals were kind of doing that, too. And then Washington under Snyder has just been an abomination, right? So actually, in the book, I have a chapter called Everybody Loves a Parade because we finally got those wins. We finally got it. And my response is it was so much more fun. It was so much better. And by the way, the ratings were better. 
Guess what happens when teams win? More people go to the games. There's more interest. That means for you, you're going to have more downloads. And for us, we're going to have more listeners. So who wouldn't want that? We don't want the team to go 2-14 and 14 or 2-15. and 15. We'd love to have a team that's like the Patriots. Could you imagine covering the Patriots? How many years have you been covering the Washington football team now? Uh, full-time about six, but I mean, I've been around, like I said, over a decade and, you know, then I lived here and all that stuff. So yeah, yes, covering a a real team. So you've been surrounded by the suck. Yes. You've been surrounded by the suck. Yeah, no, without without question. And I mostly covered the Wizards and yeah, there was a John Wall, Bradley Beal that get the game seven against the Celtics. And that's been the pinnacle for the last however many years, a game seven loss in the second round of the playoffs. We all talk right, about the pinnacle like, was actually game six, right? He's on the, right, the John Wall. And that's the thing. It's awesome. Right? He's on, he's on the table. He owned the town. And then like two days later, Isaiah Thomas goes off and it's all over. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, again, we want everybody to go out. So when is the book actually, is, is can people go out and get the, the book, book right is now? available right now? I, I made the announcement on November 2nd. I'm honored by so many people that have bought the book. It is really, it is about our radio ride and our journey, the ups and downs. There's heartbreak in the story. There's actually a lot of sports nostalgia in the story. Like we're talking about it right now. Um, there's a chapter in the book about the Gibbs 2.0 era. There's a chapter about our RG3, uh, which was an amazing time, which came to a spectacular crash at the end. Um, but it's really about friendship and brotherhood. The four of us have known each other minimum since high school. So Jason played basketball at DeMatha High School. EB went to DeMatha. Cakes and I went to Eleanor Roosevelt. Three of us, though, have known each other since nursery school. And it's really about an amazing ride. Like the odds of four guys growing up together, finding a job together in a top 10 market like DC and sticking it out for 25 years, that's really what it's about. We're honored um, that people have stuck with us for all these years. Like there's so many listeners that I've met over time that are like, yeah, I used to listen to you guys in my dad's truck when he was driving me to school. And they're like 35-year-old men now. Um, so it's really been an amazing ride. Yeah, no, look, I said I, I can remember vividly where I was in my life uh, when you guys first entered my consciousness. And uh, to hear such a different perspective, I grew up on Ken Beatrice, which is like this old traditional sports radio show, you know, to sort of take the calls and go through the day to day. Wasn't any, I didn't know anything about Ken Beatrice's life or world or whatever. And you guys were like, Hey, yeah, we're going to talk about sports, but yeah, we're going to let you know who we are as people and can help you connect through that way. And that to me was such a big uh, game changer, sort of like the same way Bill Simmons kind of did. You guys did it on the local level and yeah, big props to you guys for sticking through um, just, and as I said at the beginning, even from a friendship perspective, a lot of people lose their best friends over time. You guys have stuck together, even as you're having to work together. And that says a lot about the connection that you guys have for each other. Hey, look, I, you know, it's, it's weird to sell your book, although I've been trying to do it as much as possible. Uh, I'm proud of the book. Um, I grew up with two parents that were grinders and this year has actually been a tough year personally for me. Um, I had COVID. My wife had COVID. She was a long hauler. Uh, my mom passed away and I was close to not finishing. the. I was close to finishing the book and then I took a few months off. So I'm proud that I was able to finish it, put it out there. I'm proud of what's in it. Um, an editor pushed me. So there's a top 10 moments in the book. There's a junkies glossary in the book. There's a junkies chronology in the book. A lot of pictures that people have never seen within the book. So I do encourage people to go out and get still barking. It's a great stocking stuffer. 
<laughs> Absolutely. This is the time. It's uh, Thanksgiving. And if you week. go to stillbarking.com, I'm going to have a book tour starting on December 1st. Going to try and hit as many different spots all over the DMV. And like Willy Wonka, I'm giving out golden tickets. There's going to be a P1 book party at my house, December 11th. If you have a golden ticket, you can show up, even if I've never met you, to my house, a house party on December 11th. Uh, 25 golden tickets in the first thousand books sold, sold over a thousand on day one. So those are going to be shipped out. People will get the golden tickets, but at each of the book signings, I will have a golden ticket. Wow. That is pretty, pretty daring to have people you've never met show up at your house. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, and I'm inviting standing room only. You're welcome to come to the house. So I don't know if I sent you a little copy of the golden ticket, but it has my address on it. Do not disseminate that. But, uh, you're welcome to come. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I do hope people check out the book. Look, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the book that if people have listened to the show for 10 years or five years, they're going to learn about a lot about the history of the show from our friendship to the early years on the show. We were nationally syndicated for three years. It wasn't a panacea. You get an insight on that. We worked for a rock station for a couple of years. That was a different time. And then we took over for Howard Stern. And we've been in this spot now for over 15 years. Proud to be the the sole survivor, actually, of all the shows that replaced Howard Stern all across the country. They all got blown out. Like David Lee Roth took over kind of his Northeast stations. That only lasted like four or five months for him. Adam Carolla, who's making millions as a podcaster, he took over the West Coast. But we took over in D.C. and we remain in that Stern slide. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's been impressive. Uh, and, and it's always, uh, it's, it's, you guys are like the North star of my radio life. When I, when I know like, okay, what, what's on the radio these days, if things change the sports junkies on Monday through Friday, one Oh six, seven, the fan in the mornings there for the morning commute, uh, JP pleasure. C- congrats on the book. Best of luck with that. And hopefully you you and your Ron Rivera interviews will continue to entertain us all the rest of the season. We'll do our best. Thank you, Ben. All right. Many thanks to JP Flame for his time. Thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. And if you're considering signing up for The Athletic, hey, I really do appreciate it. Look, it's, I'm not telling you how to spend your money. I'm just saying if you've been thinking about it, this is the, this is the time to do it uh, without question. Just again, just click on one of my articles and go through that way. Helps me, helps you win-win all the way around. Um, all right. That's it for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Not positive if I'll have another one this week. It is obviously Thanksgiving week, so I know people won't be doing, um, you know, they'll be a little more tied up. But in any event, more podcasts to come uh, on, on this uh, spot. So make sure you subscribe uh, to the Standard Room Only Podcast on iTunes or wherever you do your podcasting. But that's it for now. Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya.